Now what's going on here? Hang on. Lock Talk Radio. What's this? Oh, okay. Something else is going on, so I have something in the background. Well, anyway, good evening and welcome, Mr. Pigford. I'm just going to give some. Uh, I want to, you to introduce yourself, but I want to give a little background if that's okay with you. And then you'll correct anything that I've gotten wrong. <laughs> and then we'll have the discussion, okay? Is that all right with you? Yes, you're doing a good job. Cool. Okay, so basically, uh, Ms. Sigford, uh, uh representing the larger group of black farmers, uh, filed a lawsuit in 1999 against the United States Department of Agriculture, and they were alleging that they didn't discriminate against, uh, uh, there was a, a vast, discrimination against African-American farmers in the way of farm loans and assistance between 1981 and 1996. So this, uh, I want to give the background before I give you the results. So let me just go back in history. Studies have shown that in the South, in the South where traditional farming has gone on since the country was formed, predominantly in the South, there has been routine discrimination against black farmers, and it's been on the basis of race. Okay, so there's, there's been, been overt and covert discrimination, often with do, things like delaying the loans, paper shuffling, just kind of going through the motions that they're trying to assist, and then letting time uh, take its course. So I'm going to give you something that I read uh, I'm reading on uh, Wikipedia, which is just giving a general overview. On average, in the southeast, uh, okay, let me start here. In the southeast, it took three times longer for the USDA to process a black farmer's application than a white farmer's application. So the black farmers who filed suit in the Pigford case had all been subjected to racial discrimination and humiliation by USD officials, and so I want to give you some examples. So these are the examples I'm reading. Mr. Stepp applied for a farm loan. It was denied, as, and as a result, he had insufficient resources, that means money, to plant the crop. So he couldn't buy fertilizer and treatment for the crops he did plant, and he ended up losing his farm. Then Mr. Brown, this is another person, applied for a farm loan. After not hearing back, he followed up, told his loan was being processed. After not hearing any more, he followed up and was told that there was no record of his application. He then reapplied, but he didn't receive the loan until planning season was over. Then, additionally, his loan was, quote-unquote, supervised to get a signature by a USDA official to take the money out. So it was routine for the USDA to make provisions for black farmers, but not for white farmers. In other words, make them go through hoops. You know that story. Mr. Hall then, Mr. Hall he lost his crops, and he was eligible for disaster relief payments. And every single application in his county for relief was approved by the committee except his, Mr. Beverly. Mr. Beverly applied for a loan to build a, a, far, a farrowing house for his swine. He was told that his loan was approved, and then he bought livestock in anticipation. Then, he told, then ladies told the loans denied. So he makes his investment in livestock useless. Then he ended up having to sell his property to settle his debt. So while the law and regulations that are covering all this are colorblind, the people carrying them out are not. So the denial of credit, 
benefits to black farmers and the preferential treatment of white farmers basically forced the black farmers out of agriculture throughout the 20th century. So black farms were foreclosed on more frequently. Black farmers were subjected to more humiliation and degradation by USDA county officials. And then the Civil Rights Office for the USDA that's supposed to investigate the complaints about the treatment made by the farmers uh, show that this office didn't operate functionally for more than a decade. So during investigations of the USDA policies and the operations, the Secretary of Agriculture, which is the USDA, reported that the process for resolving discrimination complaints had failed. And then he testified that the USDA has not, had not acted in good faith about their complaints. The appeals were often delayed, were too long, the favorable decisions were often reversed, and then the USDA Inspector General reported that the discrimination complaint process lacked integrity, direction, accountability. There were staffing problems, obsolete procedures, little, little direction from management, which creates a climate of disorder. So basically, this is when Congress, uh, after looking at statute of limitations, on complaints from the USDA allowed the Pigford class to bring, uh, begun, uh, become, become what it was. So it began, it began in 1990, 1997. So now, it was Tim Timothy Pigford who's on the line, joined by 400 additional African-American farmer plaintiffs, and it's called, the case is called Pigford versus Glickman, and uh, the Secretary of, of Agriculture at the time was Daniel Glickman. So now, here we go. So all of that, that's a mouthful. And then the second part of this is the payout. So originally, they won the suit, okay? And the original claimants were to have filed within 100, uh, 180 days of the consent decree. And then they accepted late claims if they could, and if claimants could show that they had circumstances that prevented them from filing on time. So now there's far beyond the anticipated 2,000 affected farmers, 22,000 plus track A applicants were heard and decided upon. So then there, it goes on and on, but it got bigger. Basically, folks, this original case became a big Magella where other people felt that they could file under this claim, the class action suit. You know, when you have a class action suit, anybody who fits the description that fit into that class can file also. So that claim ballooned into many, many tens, tens of thousands who were people trying to get in under this claim of discrimination. But basically, our concern is with Mr. Pig for himself, who has reached out or is reaching out right now because he has a specific claim, and his claim is this. Once the, the ward the settlement was reached, and they were supposed to just basically get their money. That did not happen. And he's here, and he's going to tell us why it didn't happen. He's going to give us some background. He's also a historian, so he's going to give us some background on what has been going on today and why there's a, a very short tether to the timeline of President Obama and all his appointees including the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, who we'd like to hear from or like to speak to, to basically 
make the spindle turn on this whole story so that the people who originally file can get what was the award settlement. So is that about right, Mr. Pickford? Yes, ma'am, that's about right. Uh, it's, uh, we filed the claim, my wife and I filed the claim uh, in, in August of 97, and uh, Judge Freeman uh, in about August of 98 uh, certified it as a class. He uh, said that we had met. Okay, one second, Mr. Pickford, not to stop you, but you're coming in very low. Is there a way to increase the volume? And also somebody in the background, please mute your phone. If you're on this call. Okay, yes. It's much better if you talk to us directly. But also, if there's anybody on the line and is listening through the phone, please mute so that we can have it quiet so we can hear him. Thank you so much. Okay, go ahead. As I was so saying, we, uh, my wife and I filed the claim in 97, in August of 97, and sometime shortly, uh, within about a year, in 98, uh, the suit was uh, classified as a uh, class action. And uh, mm-hmm. so it opened the door for a lot of farmers uh, to, uh, uh, black farmers to come in on the suit. And the suit was was basically filed under the Equal Credit Opportunity Act and the Equal Access to Justice Act. And uh, when the federal government started loaning money uh, to farmers back during the Depression, that made them fit to the qualification of a lender like a private bank. And so mm-hmm. that's the uh, that was the legal criteria the lawyers filed the suit under. And uh, and we had uh, basically, I had went to Washington in September of 1984, and I testified before the House Judiciary Committee, which was investigating uh, farmers' home practice. At that time, the agency was called the Farmers' Home Administration, and they changed it uh, in '93 uh, to. Farm service agency, so it's uh, but it's the same same folks. Uh, and uh, I, I was the only black farm to give testimony. And when I came back, uh, well, we had had a hurricane before I left, and we had lost uh, most of our crop. Uh, but when I came back, the county supervisor told me when I applied for disaster loans that I would never get another loan until Jesse Hems, Senator Jesse Hems, approved it. Uh, they did not approve the, of me going to Washington and, 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 and talking to, uh, to Congress. And so to this day, I've never been uh, approved for another loan. Even when we got our settlement, uh, the government reneged on uh, probably half of the benefits that we were supposed to get. And so to this day, we know uh, I ended up paying for my own discrimination uh, because they violated the consent decree. And one of the conditions in the consent decree was if if it was determined that you had been discriminated, uh, your your debt was automatically uh, 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 written off. And uh, and so that did not happen to us. Uh, we were never given the farm that we was promised. Um, 
And so we just, uh, they sent uh, to the IRS a false 1099 that caused a major um, uh, conflict with the IRS, and they ended up uh, freezing and then later taking our bank account. And the auditors admitted that I could not make up a 1099, and she couldn't understand why the two did not match. Uh, and she wanted to know who she needed to talk to in Washington, and I told her. And from that day, I have to this day, I have uh, never seen this uh, auditor again. I was never called back in for uh, any other uh, dealings with the RS, and uh, they never told us how much money we owed in taxes. And because my CPA was. Uh, uh, concerned that uh, that the whole settlement was not taxable because part of the settlement was uh, listed for pain and suffering, mental anguish, and which is uh, not taxable. And it was a little un- unsure, unclear about uh, racial discrimination. So we was asking for an amendment and a, and a clarification. Uh, we were not trying to avoid paying taxes. We paid the state taxes, and uh, we was told uh, after this by the state that we had to pay more money. And so it's just been one big headache after another in trying to get get this resolved. But this is pretty much common what happened to the six farmers that was in the leadership of the class and. Uh, the the class in terms of how the money was appropriated, they had uh, worked out a farmer with a track A and a track B, and most of the claimants were track A, and they got uh, uh, sixty-two thousand five hundred dollars uh, with twelve five twelve thousand five hundred that automatically go into the RS and left them a, a net. <coughs> Of fifty thousand, the track B cases were handled different, and they were pretty much uh, the payout was pretty much at the mercy of the arbitrator uh, that the, the judge had approved. But uh, none of these cases have, you know, we ridden off in the sunset and and, and lived a a peaceful life uh, thereafter. It's, it's, uh, it's, okay. it's been as if the federal government uh, really intend to make us extinct. There was, and this is something, I'm not sure if it's on the Internet, but I, I would advise anyone if they really wanted to get a good feel of what had happened uh, to us. And uh, in 1982, the U.S. Civil Rights Commission uh, uh, issued a report called the declared uh, without a change at the rate that black farmers were losing land and not getting loans that we would become extinct. And uh, I, and I I believe every bit of it that. Uh, uh, if there's not a drastic change, there will not be uh, any black farmers farming in America. And, uh, and we see. are primarily in the South. And 
it's just, you know, we couldn't get law. It was really tough trying to get lawyers, particularly black lawyers, and uh, we finally ended up uh, with two white lawyers that filed the suit. And then after uh, it was certified as a class, uh, we had lawyers coming out of woodwork, uh, mostly blacks, trying to uh, get on the suit. And, you know, it's just been uh, one big headache after another. And there was, uh, of the total amount of money, there was some $3 billion uh, that Congress appropriated. Congress did not argue about the money. It was not a big uh, issue. Uh, there were some key members in Congress realized what had happened under the Reagan administration, and uh, they did not really... Uh, kick on this, and so uh, we got $2 billion in the first go-round in 2010, uh, December 2010, uh, President Obama authorized a bill, or signed a bill, uh, for another uh, billion, $1 billion, $250 million. and so it's, it's, you know, it's over $3 billion. seems like there's roughly about a billion, a little over a billion have been paid out over a period of 16 years. And what we are asking uh, the president and uh, the uh, attorney general uh, is to go ahead and pay these claims because they've already been adjudicated. A lot of farmers have died and, and never sought a reward. Uh, a lot of families are just really uh, distorted. And uh, they really don't know how to proceed forward, and a lot of them just don't have the patience and the endurance to stick this thing out. Sixteen years is a long time after winning yes, a lawsuit and not receiving any money. And, well, um, okay. Well, thank you, thank you, Tim. Um, Mr. Pigford, I'm going to refer to you, Tim, as Mr. Pigford because I just think for right for for this case, you told me call you Tim, but I'm going to call you Mr. Pigford so that everyone. I, I have the utmost respect for you, first of all, because you have been fighting this fight for a long time, as long as this lawsuit has been filed. And as you said, I think you, you said that there are six lead farmers who were part of this suit, including yourself. Is that right? Yeah, there were six of us. Uh, there were two from North Carolina, myself, and Cecil Brewington, uh, one from Georgia, Lu- Lucius Abrams, uh, two from Mississippi, uh, Lloyd Schaefer and Eddie Ross, and uh, uh, one from Alabama, uh, Sheriff George Hall. Now, that's a real, okay. inter- real interesting case. Uh, Sheriff Hall had fought in Vietnam, uh, came back, um, and, and was representing Greene County. I think he was the first black sheriff in that county. And the way he was okay. was just a travesty. It's just ridiculous. This is a this is a very big story, um, and you have been telling it for a long time. So, Mr. Bigford, my hat is off to you. And I I I don't even feel qualified to really dig the, to the substance of it. But we're going to do our best today for our listeners. And we have some on the line. We have some on 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 air who listen. And we're just going to try and lay it bare. And if there's anybody out there, I, my my hope and, and my hope for for this conversation is that somebody can pick up this baton and give you the assistance, you and the others who are still waiting 
on the money part of the settlement. And this, let's put this to bed because here's the thing. The history of discrimination is there. It, the, the, the notion that there are black farmers is not, it's not a very visible thing. You don't see black farmers featured anywhere. So there's not really a support group for the existing farmers in terms of the awareness of the problems that you face. And that's very clear. The, the class action suit, um, I won't even try and really bite deep into that because I, I read through some of the things and I see where, where it just kept ballooning. However, let's deal tonight with what you need to get done, what we can do for you. So all I can do is basically lay bare what or amplify your voice. So from what I've just heard, I'm going to read back my take on what you said. Basically, this suit, um, based on the leadership of multi-state, of a multi-state suit from black farmers who have been traditionally recognized to be discriminated against, has, uh, has not met a, a suitable resolution, although there has been over $3 billion appropriated and some $1 billion already paid out. So right now what we're trying to do is just understand the elements of the case so if we can find any corner within the Obama administration, within the Attorney General's office that can put pressure to bear and basically give you, Mr. Pickford, for, for even the, the, key, the key person in this, in this class action suit, some, some resolution. The last time I heard you, you said that there had been many things that how it affected you. So let's deal with that. You said when I heard you that your son was uh, attempting to go to school to go into uh, farming and was in college and had to drop out. Can you tell us a little bit about that, what happened there? Yeah, uh, he had uh, had a scholarship uh, to uh, North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, and, uh, and he had a, a nervous breakdown. And he has um, uh, today. He's 40 years old. He's our oldest son, and he has never. He has got off. He got off in his medication, and he about 10 years ago, and he's just been a rough, rough time. Okay. Uh, well, I'm back. so sorry to hear this. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to bring him up because of something you said to me. Let's talk about the the school you went to, North Carolina A&T, you had shared with me that the schools that should have been your natural support in, say, like this instance, in black farming, the case for black farmers across the nation, they are not, they are not natural, not natural feeders for, for farmers or even to grow as black farmers, existing black farmers uh, um, in terms of as a group. Tell us a little bit about that in terms of the historical, of what it was supposed to do, the school that your son went to, the school that he had to drop out of to support you and all uh, the farmers like yourself. Well, there's one one in each southern state, and they are known as land-grant colleges or, or morale colleges. And what what it is is separation uh, you have a white college that has all of the funding from the federal government, and then you have the subordinate black college like A&T, Florida A&M, Virginia State, Alabama A&M, 
they do not get the same equal amount of money. And and therefore the the personnel are not equipped to work with us in a separate manner. And even what little they do do for us, we are not able to implement those practices because we have to primarily go to the FSA office to get loans. And that's when things really start getting bad because they will turn these loans down. They will make these loans late. And a lot of times you can't get your crop in in time. So if you can't get it in in time, then you can't get it out in time. Bad weather sets in in winter time. You lose a lot of your crop, and then you can't pay the money back. And now they want to, you know, start foreclosing on you. And it's just a, a bad situation. These schools are apparently afraid to speak up and to be treated equal. I had hoped that from the lawsuit that they would have, you know, took a more vocal role and be be a little more forthcoming with how they are being treated. Uh, and you also have disparate uh, treatment with uh, USDA black employees. I mean, it's just a... It's, it's a plantation. It's really the last plantation. Uh, plantation are you saying the schools are the last plantation or, well, or the system? Well, USDA is the last plantation, and the schools come under USDA. That's where the funding comes from. Because the schools are funded by USDA, the, 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 well, the technical the, colleges. Yeah, the agriculture component there. And a lot of these universities okay. have research, you know, they... They have other curriculums. They have liberal arts schools, and uh, but they were uh, chartered originally as a morale land grant co- agricultural college, and so over the course of time, they expanded into other areas which they were entitled to under the morale act, and and all of this took place uh, started in. The, the United States Department of Agriculture was formated also in 1862, and we all know what 1862 represents. That was the uh, one year after the start of the Civil War. And so this is the attitude that has this slave mentality uh, when the uh, Congress allowed the Union back into the, uh, I mean, the Southern states back into the Union then you really had this uh, slave mentality uh, develop uh, within the Department of Agriculture. So the Department of Agriculture currently, okay, let's go back to what you were speaking of for our listeners. The Morrell Act, which is named after a, I think you were telling me, is the the Morrell Act. Yeah, he was a congressman from Vermont, uh, um, Justin Smith Morrell. Uh huh. And basically, the co- Congressman Morrell created an act that would say what? Well, the act uh, it was to establish agricultural colleges. Uh, Morrell recognized that uh, Europe was growing uh, faster than we were uh, agriculturally and industrially, and he even went and toured Europe. And he came back, and along with some others, uh, started this 
push and movement for the federal government to get involved in establishing agricultural schools. And it, to support it a, black farmers specifically or just farmers, black, okay. The farmers, uh, for white farmers primarily, I, I don't think there's anything been established specifically for us. And, and so, Excuse me, hold on one second, please. One second. There is somebody on the line with the line that's unmuted, and we can hear you as you move around. Please mute your phone so we do not. Or we can hear Mr. Pickford clearly. Thank you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. But these schools uh, grew very fast, and uh, uh, morale. His, his primary responsibility was making sure that the schools had proper funding. And he was a gentleman farmer himself. He loved agriculture. He he uh, did not go to school. He had no farmer training, but he was a, a very successful businessman. And he left a very big imprint uh, in Washington, and he was a very uh, powerful senator. He moved, later moved over to the Senate side, and he helped propel the country through the, the tough times financially during the Civil War. And, uh, and you know, it, so uh, when the slaves were free, that's all we did was agriculture. Uh, you know, we just didn't have this scientific education behind it, but that's all we did. And so uh, the first black agriculture school uh, was established in 1871 in Mississippi, in Mississippi uh, which is the uh, present-day Alcorn State University. And so uh, other southern schools adopted the same principle, but one of the important parts here is that these, when these schools started, it started the process, the legal doctrine of separate but equal, because the, the schools were not integrated. And primarily, if we remember in our history when the 14th Amendment was passed, uh, that the 14th Amendment basically said that we were citizens, we had all the rights and privileges of a citizen, and the state could not uh, violate these rights. So uh, basically what happened, the white Southerners came up with the idea, okay, we accept them around money, but we will create a separate school. And for some odd reason, the federal government went along with it, and this placed the federal government in the business of separate but equal. And so this attitude towards, uh, this racial attitude towards us has fermented over 150, uh, about 154 years. So this is what we are fighting. And every time we go in to apply for money, most of the loan officers are white, and even the ones who are black have a very negative attitude towards us receiving money. My loan also was white. And and we fought all the time. I mean it was just a constant battle. Mm-hmm. And um it just uh but okay. you know, that's that's what we had to put up with. Well that 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 really clears it up. And and why I'm bringing this up, even though it may seem like it, it's a long patient road, it's important especially for the listener, to understand the historical nature of why you're not getting relief today. Because 
One of the things that's very clear, and I'm not making this up, this was in your lawsuit with, uh, in, in uh, Pigford versus Glickman, where they have recognized the historical nature of the discriminatory acts upon black farmers. That does not mean that you are getting relief. And so we're working on trying to get you relief, but it is very, very important that you understand the historical nature of one, the South, one, the USDA, one, the, the issue of land farming, especially as it's black farmers. Because black farmers, I mean, <laughs> anyone who lives in the United States, a person of color, brown or black, you know that you have, you have, we have historical racism at work on every turn. But for farmers, particularly black farmers, we are speaking about a longstanding practice that is in collusion. So you're saying, based on what you just say, stated, whether the person's face is black at the office, they're still in collusion because they're working under the onus of the racist uh, uh, tone, attitude, and policy. Now, I'm going to just open this up to our audience, if there's anybody on the line would like to, to, to have a word here. And then we're going to go back to any other part of the story, because we're, we're, we're talking tonight with Timothy Glickman. Timothy Pickford. Hello? Excuse me? A, a provider to the industry, and he kind of took a, a page out of Burke's book, because when my sponsor came into oh, okay. Life Vantage, that's... Hello? Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I recognize the voice, but I don't understand or, uh, what's, what's... Hello? Was somebody trying to speak? Okay. Anywho, uh, yes, I'm going to open up the floor. He was the wrong person to terminate, you know, because most people don't have the money. Okay, please identify yourself. Herbert, is that you? Maybe we're having a delay in the broadcast. We're not hearing you right now. Okay, Hello? this is this is Donald Brown. How you doing, Emperor? You doing, uh, Mr. Pigfoot? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you fine. Good, good, good evening. Uh huh. Good evening. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up. I've been listening. And I wanted to know, in the effort to get the word out, um, you know, what has been done to, to get us on a broader platform so your message can be heard? At the same time, I know we're trying to do the, the .org thing with the signatures. The letter you wrote was beautiful. But I think, uh, to you know, time is of the essence. we got 35, less than 35 days left. If yeah. we're going to... If the goal is to get the Obama administration to release the funds, then I think we got to get Mr. Pitt on some major platforms, you know, like Open Line. Any journalist out there got connection with Open Line, Shop Talk, MSNBC, or, you know, so that you can get a broader audience and at the same time maybe pick up more people like we were picked up. That's right. Well, what, what, uh, thank you, Donald. So, what Donald Brown, who is a, a producer on an, another uh, broadcast, is saying, and this is where I met the story, is that we have been attempting behind the scenes to reach out to news media. I said that at the top of the hour, but I'm going to just relate now my portion. Since our conversation, I have reached out to several uh, news, uh, news people in an attempt to get a response and also to a former congressman uh, at town to get a response to be able to say, well, we're going to take this to the Obama administration. What Donald just said about 35 days is there's an, a sense of urgency 
so that we can get to uh, someone, Attorney General's office, if not uh, the Attorney General Loretta Lynch herself, because anybody who has contact out there, we're, we're appealing to you, now that you've heard the story, you've heard the history, understanding that there has been a settlement, and the settlement has not appeased the pain and suffering and the humiliation and the loss of, of and the discrimination that Mr. Pigford and the farmers have have uh, have um, have experienced. One of the things that's happened is that many other people got small money here and there, but the principal people who are involved in this case have not seen the awards or fully been awarded. So I wanna I wanna just make that clear. So anybody listening, please contact us. You can you can email me. I'm m triple a miranda at gmail dot com. You can send a message to me. You can send a message to wwtnlradio.com. You can go on our Facebook page at the uh, at uh, uh, wwtnlradio spelled out r a d i o dot com. Um, uh, please feel free to inbox or message anybody along the lines here to assist us in trying to get this story on a bigger platform. This story has been covered. So let's talk about the press a minute. This story has been covered by many in the press. I've, I've looked up, and uh, Mr. Pickford has also shared that it has been in Atlanta Journal and Constitution. It's been in the New York Times. It's been on various other platforms over the years. However, this is why I'm bringing this up. This story has also had its major distortions where they've made claims and it has confused the issue in the eyes of the listener or the reader because um, there has been uh, allegations of fraud, et cetera, et cetera. But bottom line, anyone can check the record, and Mr. Pickford has been truth-telling since the beginning. So anyone wants to weigh in on that part of it because this, there has been money paid out, but Mr. Pickford, what is your claim right now in regards to the money so we get that record straight? In, in regards to the amount? To how much money or what money was due and didn't do. Did you get, you, I think you mentioned you got a portion and got bollocked up. And so who in your, in your group or consortium of farmers, uh, either the six leaders, the class action, the class group, the group in the class, how many of you uh, received any money, partial money, or are still just waiting for some resolution? Because that, that's only a part of the story. The part, the other part, we'll get to, but right. part of right. it is the racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go ahead. Four of us have received partial money, and two, Lucius Abram from Georgia and Cecil Brewington from uh, uh, North Carolina, have not received any money. And 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 there's thousands and thousands and thousands of farmers who uh, who uh, track a uh class and and they have uh, not received a dime. I mean these are cookie cutter cases that require cookie cutter payment. And mm-hmm. so the only cases that might require a little time would be the ones who went track B and there was not that many uh that I know of that went track B. So the the government had just over sixteen years Basically, one man at the Department of Justice that has caused all of this confusion and slow 
drip, drip, dripping of cases, and uh, he's a ultra right wing uh, Republican, and I, I can't understand why two black attorney generals, one black president, have not moved this man or or you know or, or something, promote him or some farm or something. Because and he's in the USDA. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't get. He's at the United States Department of Justice. He falls. Oh, in the Justice Department. Of, okay. Of, uh, you care to give his name? His name is Michael Sitkoff. Michael, was, spell, say, say the last name. It's Sitkoff. Please don't ask me to spell it. <laughs> okay, Sitkoff. I'm trying to see if you're saying Sitkoff. F or. Yeah, I think it's Russian. Um, or some Eastern European uh, country. Uh, Sitkoff? Is that what you're saying? Sitkoff. I, I'll okay. get you the spelling, uh, but I, I just can't spell it right. And he's in the Department of Justice. And um, yes, Department ma'am. of Justice, what what he role does he play? The, the Department of Justice have each, uh, the, each department, like uh, the Veteran Affairs or... Uh, uh, Social Security or uh, whatever Treasury, each each one of those uh, departments have uh, lawyers within the Department of Justice that only handles those cases. And he was the lead attorney uh, when we went to court in '97, and he's been involved in the case ever since. And, and he's the person that you, you feel is blocking. The the I command know. which should just be cookie cutter right. set set all these cases straight. Right. I know. Okay. Now, let's okay. Moved him uh, recently. Uh, he is the now. One. <clears throat> let me ask a question about that. Is he civil service or is he? I mean, he's perpetu- perpetuated several administrations. Yeah, he's civil service. He he was there when we filed the case under the Clinton administration and. Uh, he's probably been there some 40 years or so, right? I was there, so mm-hmm. I know he's been okay. there long enough to retire, um, and and I do not know exactly when he started, but he was under the Clinton, he was there through the Clinton administration, the Bush administration, uh, and President Obama, and so... Okay. Yeah. Um, Mr. Pickford, all right, all right. Okay, if we if we if we are able to put up any information so that we attract either legal help or some sort of authority figure to the, everything comes back to you in terms of contact. Is that clear? Okay. In other words, do we refer that person to you directly? That's fine. Okay, that's what we need to know. All right. Any other any other comments, folks? Well, I have one comment. Um, this is uh, I, 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 I was speaking. I remember in 1993, I went to Tuskegee, Alabama, just to to review uh, about. Um, they had a wonderful um, agricultural program there, and I thought it was very very interesting. I don't know. It, did you reach out to Tuskegee, Alabama, for their um, agricultural problem? Well, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've never been to Tuskegee. Um, they said after the suit, after we won the suit, they had invited me to come down to speak. And unfortunately, I told them I could not make it because 
I wanted to see uh, uh, our youngest son. It was his senior year uh, in basketball, and it was right there at tournament time, and I had never seen in four years uh, him play through, through, you know, through a full season and through the tournament. And so I apologize, and I ask for forgiveness, but they sent me a, a very lovely plaque uh, commending my leadership and involvement with the case. Uh, uh, and, uh, but, you know, I've never been uh, to the camp. He's fading out. I can hardly hear him. Uh, in okay. Can you speak up, Mr. Pickford, please? I, I've never been to Tuskegee, uh, but they did send me a, a flag uh, commending me on the leadership role of the case, and uh, they had invited me to come down to the speech, but I asked them if they could just let me go to uh, my son's, uh, my younger Somebody, excuse me, I'm sorry, somebody has their radio on and we're hearing it reverb. Can you please mute your phone if you're just listening? Thank you. Um, Go ahead. Uh, it's still coming, so please mute your phone. Uh, Tuskegee has uh, probably, well, they have the only veterinary school uh, amongst these black colleges. Uh, Tuskegee is not technically a land-grant university. They are a private school that the government uh, associate them with land grant program and they share in the division of the money of the other schools. But they do have a very well recognized uh, agricultural program there, but they are not okay. not in a system. Okay, can you thank you, Mr Pick for one second. Um I'm gonna have to ask whoever's on the line, please you have to mute your line. We're getting so much reverb, I can't. We can't hear him clearly, and it's it's very soft. Please turn off your phone, your radio, or mute your line. Thank you. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you were saying that Tuskegee's the, the school does is not part of the recognized group under the Morrell Act. They're just a standalone. Is that what you're saying? They it is a tricky situation. They are recognized by the Department of Agriculture but they are not technically a morale school because it's a private school. Uh, but the Department of Agriculture has vested a ton of money in into this school, going all the way back to the days of uh, Booker T. Washington and George Washington Carver. And I think when Dr. Carver went down there, that's what sort of put them on the – it was – Actually, there was no other school at that time. Uh, yeah, at that time, that had a uh, agriculture program specifically that was recognized as a black school. Now there is some question about Hampton University because, uh, as we know, uh, uh, Booker T. Washington was a graduate of Hampton. And Hampton, for years, claimed to be a agriculture school, but they were not. And around 1920, uh, they gave up their land grant status. Uh, they were yes. Hampton is private, also. 
And okay. uh, really the all of that money that went to Hampton should have went to Virginia State. Okay. Well, well, well thank you. Mr. Pigford, um, as it stands now, I just want to give a kind of, since time is of the essence for you and for me right now on the radio, we want to make make it clear that this has the time element in terms of you're trying to get to the Obama administration before the door closes for the next administration in terms of getting resolution. Anyone who has or would like to help, you can look up the information about Pigford versus Glickman online. You can contact us on Facebook at www.tnlradio.com. If you contact me on my uh, email, I'll make sure that all correspondence, you'll, you'll be able to speak with Mr. Pickford directly or unless he would like to give his phone number. I don't know about that, but you can contact me at M-A-A-A-M-I-R-A-N-D-A, Miranda, at gmail.com. M, three A's in a row, Miranda, at gmail.com. And, or you can go on our Facebook page on the, on the T, as in truth and love, T-A-N-D-L, radio.com. And go ahead and just message us. We'll make sure we get, we'll get it on to you. So we want to just, uh, just basically get some last words. If there's anybody who would like a short commentary, if they have any suggestions, if you would like to share just briefly, we have about, Three minutes, but we can go over about five minutes. So we have like a total, I would say, of eight minutes. So anybody on the line would like to comment, please keep it short and, you know, yes. Yes, good evening. My name is Sean Robinson, and I had been listening. Good evening, a friend of Donald Brown. I had been listening, and uh, my concern is, were there any networking the communities uh, in Mississippi, Georgia, you know, the surrounding states, because through churches, you know, there's power through churches, you know, as far as getting the word out. Mr. Pickford, would you like to That's a question that I'm posing to uh, Mr. Um, Pickford. Pickford. Okay. Uh, One thing that we have done since this uh, sort of letter writing campaign came up, uh, I've talked with uh, Ben Chavis, who is over uh, the uh, the Black Press, and we are asked, and Ben is is going to work with us. Uh, he was very gracious uh, to take up this issue, and so they are asking all the black papers across the country to spread this word to the churches and uh, who you know whoever uh, community organizations. Uh, uh, you know, in those states. So uh, in, in terms of direct uh, uh, lining up all of the churches, uh, I have not had that contact, and I don't have have that list. But uh, hopefully, uh, I know I've said to people here in North Carolina, spread this, you know, ask your pastor, can you make this announcement? Uh, it's going to be published in the local uh, black press here. And uh, so we're asking everybody who have any interest in this case, because this is the largest civil rights lawsuit that's ever filed and won by black people in this country. It's the only time the federal government paid out this kind of money. And, uh, I, I, would like you, I would like you to repeat that. This is the largest federal case 
given the largest settlement given out to black people in the Right. It's the largest civil rights lawsuit that's ever been filed and won uh, in the history of this country. It's the largest payout of money. Now, there's been other ethnic groups who have filed and won money, uh, but nowhere near the the capacity of what we have. And we're talking, what, $3 billion, right? Totally. Right. $3 billion plus. It's about $3,250 million. Well, if to that is spread not out among what, 18, <laughs> go ahead. To be yes. to be spread out among what, eighteen. Last thing I read was eighteen thousand five hundred black farmers had claims in. Now that that number is a little arbitrary. Uh, I've seen it as high as eighty thousand uh, that had filed originally, uh, and, and I think that might have been a little high. Uh, that, that's that's a moving target. One of the criteria in order to qualify, you had to apply for a federal loan. And the judge, Judge Freeman, restricted to 1981. So that's as far back as we could go. And we might have could have pulled a few in on the 1980 because of farming practice. Because uh, actually we lost about seven or eight years of our claim because I I first went into a, uh, apply in '73 and so I couldn't from '73 up to 1981 those eight years I could not claim and that happened to a lot of uh, farmers uh, so uh, unfortunately and the reason why it was capped it at '81 was because when the Reagan administration came in, in January of 81, they began began to dismantle the civil rights office. And so that's Mm -hmm. why Judge Freeman uh, left it there. So you're saying, I'm sorry. So, Mr. Bigford, you're saying that basically since this is about discrimination in terms of loans and support, you have to have filed a loan as a farmer, a black farmer, to be able to qualify for the class of the, you the suit. You have to file an application have to be denied, uh, and, and you could have been denied on numerous reasons, but as long as you were denied, that made you eligible. You didn't have to technically be a farmer because a lot of guys had filed um, to start farming, and they were denied. I so see. that's why I said, Mr. Brown, that that figure is a little is it, a little bit floating, um, and it gets a little sticky technically. But the uh, the issue came up about fraud, and I like to speak about that if I have have. Yes, time. go ahead. The, the fraud thing was sort of like the voter suppression thing. Uh, the Department of Justice uh, said that I think they found something like maybe two cases, two or three cases uh, that mi- that might have been fraudulent, but there was no mass number of fraud. And mm-hmm. and given the fact that we had to cut it off at 1981, you look how many from 1934 to 1991, you look how many farmers were discriminated but they could never, or their families could never bring in a claim. Yeah. So anybody say anything about fraud, 
It's just like this mm-hmm. voter suppression stuff. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So, so in essence, you thank you for that because that that does help. In essence, you're saying this the the magnitude of this case calls for a whole movement. Now, I just want to add a couple of things. One of the elements that I see here is that we really need to bring our young up-and-coming potential farmers into the understanding of this lawsuit. Why do I say that? It's because I'm just an urban gardener, and I have friends who are interested in farming, and uh, potentially every anyone who at any point could decide, hey, I've had it, I'm going to go to the land. And I see this as an opportunity for younger people or people who – are sympathetic to the story to be able to su- be supportive as we try to get this hammered out in terms of resolution. I think that people who are gardeners, I think that people who are thinking about maybe retiring to a farm or starting a farm if a young person, um, should be able to support you either monetarily or emotionally or to show up in bodies if they're if it if it gets to that point. Because to me, this is really crying out for a, a movement, a, a call to action. And so um, I'm just saying that that way in the appeal that if there's anybody here who would like to spearhead that and say, well, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up this baton on behalf of our children, our children's children and children to come because what Lord knows that our food is being tainted right and left, the issue of being a farmer and and being a, a person who understands farming, farming is not just one, two, three. There's a lot of learning that goes into a lot of traditional practice that goes into it, and it behooves us all to be part of that process on some level. So, um, anybody else would like to comment? And Mr. Pickford, I'm going to give you a few words. If, uh, I'm going to give a few minutes. Anyone would like to comment? And then, Mr. Pickford, I'll let you close. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I'm, may I say something? This is Isma in New York. Yes. Okay. Good evening, Isma. How are you? Thanks for coming. Okay. Thanks Good for evening. joining us. Mm-hmm. Yes, thanks so much. I, I've been listening since the onset of this. Um, but at, at some point in time, I think uh, perhaps people who live in urban communities and metropolitan areas, they need to know the importance of having black farmers because right now we can go to the grocery store, we can go to the green grocers, and we don't necessarily think about where did the food come from or what farm produced it, so on and so forth. So the, the urgency and importance of the farmer is not even there anymore. So that awareness has to be raised. So I think at some point we may need to set up ambassadors to go to all of the, the country, uh, major cities, major black cities in the United States, and perhaps advocate and give information on black farmers and why they are important, and not just because we can go to the Korean green grocers, which is on every corner in New York, yes. and just pick out what we want and not be aware that uh, can, uh, the beans do not come, grow out of a can. You have young people thinking the beans grow out of the can. So if they don't yes. have that kind of fundamental awareness, uh, we may not get too far in terms of the food that we're eating uh, and, and the ancestral aspects of farming. So I think at some point we probably need to build a treasury 
for black farmers so that if anything should happen or land can be acquired, we don't have to let that go, but we'll have the seed money or the money or down payment to acquire more land. Now, Mr. Pickford, do you have your land now, and how many acres of land do you have, and are you still farming now? Uh, no, ma'am. Uh, uh, that's, that was my whole centerpiece of the suit, that, that we was denied opportunity to buy land. The land that I was farming was rented land, and uh, so when my loans were cut off, I was not able to uh, continue farming. Okay, so now if we had a treasury, then we would have been able to say, okay, uh, Brother Pickford, you can keep the farm here as a money, take it out of the treasury, even if it's a loan from the treasury, and then we can keep on going and buying land around the country and not uh, be left behind. So so this takes a really uh, a brainstorming and perhaps putting together a brain trust to get the uh, people to become ambassadors, go around the country, make awareness, uh, build awareness, about black farmers, the importance of having black farmers, the land that we can acquire, and having the funds as a backup already in the Treasury to go ahead and do that. Because we should have had someone come around and help Mr. Pickford to keep his property and his land and, and the, while he was uh, uh, handling this claim. That's a beautiful idea, sister. Can you add that effort up? I think it's awesome. We have to do it all together. It cannot just be me or one person because then that's how it always falls apart because one person is trying to head it up or do it together. We can say after this, so one, uh, take uh, one person uh, to do it. Then person no, bring take, us all together. Take the effort. I have a no, quick no, question for Mr. Bring us all together and then we can define what we need to do. I have something to say, too. I have a quick question Go ahead. for Mr. Pickford. Um, Please identify are you, yourself. Are you, uh, this is um, the gist of freedom. I was wondering if if he's interested in Tennessee because there's a lot of land available in Tennessee to farm on. Have you ever thought about uh, farming again in another part of the country? Yeah, that has come across my mind, uh, and that was one of the uh, points uh, I was denied uh, when they they. Uh, 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 I was supposed to get a farm, and I was the only one that they restricted that to North Carolina. And then they, uh, all of a sudden, there was no farms available uh, in inventory there. Uh, I have a good friend out in Tennessee that uh, I'm hoping maybe one of these days when he retires, maybe he would uh, let me farm one of his farms. But uh I, I wouldn't be uh, objective to that. How many acres do you need, Mr. Pickford, to have a decent farm? You need to have today, you need to be somewhere around about about 2,000 acres. I mean, you could actually do it less, but farming has changed so much uh, since 1985. Uh, 1984 was the last year I farmed. Uh, and it all depends on the type of farming you're doing. If you're just doing produce, uh, you could probably do produce on a good scale of uh, 100 or 200 acres. Uh, we have some guys, you know, doing less than that. It all depends if you're located uh, close to a, a fairly large city because uh, produce is, is, is more short-term, and you can just put more crops uh, in and you can uh, do greenhouses. Um, 
there's a I, I, I would just love to hug the lady's neck uh, who said about the treasure because that's something we have talked about for years as having our own financial institution where we could go and borrow money. And then I also want to uh, mention, I sort of, sort of slipped my mind, there's a, uh, a good old country preacher that uh, was born in, in Massachusetts and he uh, lives in Chicago. Reverend Al Sampson has been talking uh, and pushing and trying uh, to bring fresh produce up uh, from the South for years. And uh, one of the things that we don't have is a, a black food distribution network in this country. And that's something Reverend Sampson has been working tireless on trying to make happen. But it's just really tough trying to get to know, uh, get in the door of people who have money uh, to invest in these kind of projects. Because you're not going to get this from the uh, from the federal government, and you're not going to. It's hard to get black banks to even, uh, uh, you know, pay attention to this issue. So it's, it's just really rough uh, because you know one day. The whole food system is is set up around a white man's operation, and if, huh? if they would ever decide to shut it down, we would be pitiful. Um, okay. Uh, well, I have a I have a suggestion, and then I'm going then I'm going to hang up. Um, besides getting the money from Obama in this uh, last 35 days of his presidency, I was wondering people um, that own land and have air properties are listening, that we pick up the baton and find a way to make contributions so that he can uh, be self-sufficient in the spirit of Booker T. Washington. So if you're going to start a GoFund page or something of that nature, um, we should do one with that in mind that to help him purchase his own farm and be independent and not rely on um, President Obama in these last 35 days. And I want to thank you for coming on the show. It was great. Thank You did a great job. Empress, and I'm going to hang up. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. That's Leslie Diss from the Juice of Freedom. Thank you, Leslie. Yes, yes. So, so speaking. Hey, this is Alexis. Hi, oh, hi. Greetings. Hi. Um, I'm mm-hmm. I'm down here in uh, Florida, and I actually went to Florida A&M for journalism and psychology, but I got into agriculture. So right now I stay in the agricultural area in Miami, which is called the Redlands. Um, by Homestead, and I, I'm in an apprenticeship at Florida International University for farmers, for minority farmers and veterans. And actually, they just lost their funding for 2017 because they didn't spend. But this is this is FIU, which is like a you know like a Spanish school. That's who runs it. And so they they lost their funding. But I I had a couple of things I wanted to say. Um, as far as like you were saying, we need to get young people interested and involved and uh, apprenticeships are a way to do that. And I, I had a question because I was looking up some stuff on the the, the case while we were talking about it. And it, it said that some like people can apply schools and stuff can apply to receive some of that money and stuff. But I mean, that was one of my questions. And then I think that another way that we can garner interest, is like you said, we need a, a a network. Like you have the Black Farmers Association, and you have you have conferences, and you know 
there's different things. Like I traveled to Detroit last year and they have a lot of, um, you know, food security stuff going on. But it's all about dissemination of the information. And, like, for, for an example, we don't have our own seed bank. Like, they've got seed, I think it's somewhere in the Netherlands or somewhere cold. They have a seed bank. You know what I mean? So that's something we could could do. But I think it's all about, like, even getting Florida A&M, like, their, the newspaper to write a story about it or something. But it's just okay. younger people are interested, and we there's something uh, – that's what I'm really interested in getting what, into. Wonderful. Thank you. And I, I'm glad you've commented because this mm-hmm. is the first marriage. We, we, want, we want to hear from your voice. Thank you, Alexis. And we mm-hmm. would love to expand the conversation because this definitely needs follow-up. I think the right. urgency, though, for Mr. Pigford is trying to at least see justice resolved. Because that was this, my question, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, um, so they're gonna. So it, if it goes carries over into the next uh, presidency of Trump or whatever, wh- why does that um, affect the the lawsuit? Because they already won. So why would it be like canceled? That was my question. Okay, well, Mr. Pigford, you want to answer? Mm-hmm. That's a very good question. It, it's been 16 years, and it so it's, it's crossed from the Clinton administration, the Bush administration, uh, the Obama administration. So. If it's not resolved here, it will go over to the Trump administration. And as I reckon everybody knows, that he has nominated Jeff Sessions from Alabama mm-hmm. to be the Attorney General. Now, if we can't get it done under a Democratic administration with a black president, mm-hmm. I just don't see a whole lot of future in, right. uh, in getting it done under the Trump administration. Okay, I understand. That's the urgency. Okay. Yeah, but I think so. I think also, Mr. Pickford, regardless of who's going to be there, if we have to go down there, as Al Sharpton is going there on January 14th to do a pre-protest on anything that Trump may try to do, then that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to gather up the people, and we're going to have to go down there, and we're going to have to show all of our faces collectively in protest. It doesn't matter who's going to be there next. We cannot give up regardless of who's yeah. there. So we have to make plans to do that if that's what we must do. Mm-hmm. Mr. Pickford, you have any comments? Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. Um, it, I, 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 you know, I think this case is, is, is where is that now. We are at a, uh, de- uh, uh, a delicate diplomacy stage. Because what is in danger here is thousands and thousands and thousands of people not getting a check. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know. But well, we come to Washington. Can those thousands of people come to Washington to make this happen? Well, well I think they would have to address it. I mean, uh, I don't really know how to read uh the, the Trump administration, uh, so that's why I would love if we could just get it done. Uh, I know Reverend Sharpton has a, a, a good relationship with the president and with the Attorney General. So I mean, if he could, if y'all could ask him to pick up the phone and call him, uh, you know, and say that this needs to be done and it needs to be done now. Uh, 
Uh, okay, since we're in New York, Empress and I, um, uh, Mariam is in New York, and this is Isma. I'm in New York. I'll speak to her and see who else in New York and make an appointment to see uh, this uh, Reverend Shopkin who has his radio show every Sunday morning and, and, and see about uh, uh, having him uh, look at this situation, uh, giving him the material from the website and uh, the $1.15 billion that was already allotted uh, for the payout to all of the uh, farmers. So we're gonna we'll have to do that, and then uh, Prince em, em, uh, Princess Empress will uh, get back to you, uh, Mr. Pickford, in terms of what we did on this side of the fence. I appreciate it. Okay, so thank you. I think that that uh, that's gonna be it for tonight. This is Empress Mary. We're here making some noise in the community. I want to thank you, all of you who participated in this. Mr. Pickford is 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 just looking for us to help resolve. You can see and hear in his voice that he's a strong person, but he's been working at this for many, many years. We have to resolve this. We have to get satisfaction because he represents thousands upon thousands of black farmers. And as we said, yes, we, 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 we will always keep the, banner, keep the banner up and keep moving forward, but we're going to make it that much higher in terms of leaping over fences if we have to wait for the new administration because they're going to claim, well, I don't know what this is, et cetera, et cetera. So we're not even going to dwell on that. We're going to focus right now, all of you who are interested in being a part of some kind of action process, we are, I'm going to speak to Isma and, and then I'll get back to you on air and uh, or we'll, I'll contact you, some of you, through the Internet or through uh, messaging um, that we are having some kind of movement on this case. So I want to I commend you, Mr. Pigford, and just tell you to, you know, keep your, keep your hopes up and, and uh, be strong and, and, and keep the good fight. I know you have many fronts. You've told this story many, many times. You have a lot of people you're telling it to. We'd like to just keep, keep the banner flowing and keep keep running the good race. So I want to thank everybody on here. I particularly want to thank uh, Donald Brown, who brought this story to light. Thank you, Donald. For all of our listeners, thank you, listeners. Stay tuned because one of the things that community radio can do is basically amplify the sound and also be able to make it move that much faster. Many of us are not dealing in, er- in arenas where we have newspapers and, and journalists at, at willy-nilly. So let's let's keep tell, telling the story on behalf of Mr. Pickford and the farmers. Tell it to as many people as you can. Bring it back to us. Send it to WWTNL Radio. Send it to me at m triple a m i r a n d a at gmail dot com. However you want to reach out to us, please feel free, and then we'll come back with uh, results. So this is Empress Miriam here. Thank you so much to Ray Pinder on the compost, and, and this is uh, thank you to TNL itself. Thank you, Leslie Gist of the Gist of Freedom, and all of those who participated tonight. Let's uh, see what we can do to make uh, America great, black America great, because this is our legacy that we're talking about. This is Empress Miriam. I want to tell everyone tonight, stay strong. Peace and blessings. Good night. Peace and Hi. blessings. Good night.